Hey everyone, thanks for joining King's Talk presented by Capsity Crown. This is Tony. With me as always, we have John. Uh, the last time we left off last week, the Kings were headed on a six-game road trip uh, all on the East Coast. And three games later, me and John made a couple predictions. Uh, they're at one and two. Uh, I personally said at the end of the six games, the Kings would be sitting at three and three. Um, and, you know, it's still kind of looking that way. But, John, what do you remember what your prediction was? Um, I want to say it was four and two. Oh, I'm just man. calling you out. Yeah, I, I think, think it was. I think, well, I mean, I said it there. I kind of was predicting that they were going to win. I was making the bold prediction, although I wasn't ballsy enough to actually say it. I made the bold prediction in a way, you know, implicitly that they could, that, that they would beat Milwaukee. And that, that did not happen. And I also, but I said explicitly that they would go to Cleveland and lose because I thought that you go to a team's house after you beat them on their home floor and they're a really good team as well. I thought they would have done what Milwaukee did to you or something, but it was the other way around. And I kind of also said that they were going to beat the Knicks. I think I said, I you must just like wrong, huh? Oh, yeah, I was three. wrong on I was wrong on every game. <laughs> I'm like, they can go and beat the Knicks. Everybody was telling me I was I wrong mean, on that one, though. That they would <laughs> beat the like, Knicks. A lot of people were saying the Knicks are going to beat them. Really? A lot of people, a lot of people were just like, oh, I, just from what I said, I guess I shouldn't. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't talk to like a bunch of Kings fans in my daily life, but uh, um, like on Twitter, I feel like I saw a good amount of people that are like, yeah, I don't know. The Knicks are playing well. I think the Knicks might win. You know. And, yeah, uh, I mean, I think just looking at their last couple of games, I think the Knicks were playing really good basketball. So people were kind of pointing to that. But yeah. I thought they could go there, and that was definitely the second most winnable game, right? I mean, yeah. oh yeah, that, I mean, so, other than the Pistons game, like that's that was the other game you win for sure, or you know, yeah. like you said, it's the second easiest game. Um, now. I mean, I mean, I, I still, I don't know if three and three is even possible. You got, if you don't beat Philadelphia tomorrow yeah. or today, because this is technically Monday night, but we pretend it's Tuesday because that's when we post. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just uh, throwing that out there. Um, you know, if you don't beat Philly, we saw how the Kings played against the Hawks on their other back-to-back earlier this year on the road. So, uh, and especially against Toronto, I I don't know. I, I feel like Toronto is one of those cities we haven't won in in a while. I don't quote me on that exactly, but I just look feel up. like I I don't know. Can I just look it up that easily? You think? When's yeah, I'll, I'll look it up right now. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, you 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 look it up while I talk. But yeah, Toronto is just one of those places. They've had a good team for I don't know ten years now. Really, ever since Kyle Lowry came over, maybe it took him a couple of years, but been a good team good franchise tough place to play um i don't know the raptors they're just they're always just a solid team and the kings always you know this is a different kings team but second night of a back-to-back against just a solid team on the road that's always kind of a scary game i i have more faith beating the sixers than i do the raptors i just feel like the raptors just have our number at least maybe yeah. james harden i feel like james harden sometimes has bad games against the kings um yeah, MB that he's good. I think he dropped fifty six the other night or something. So, um, well, I think the advantage against Phil. Well, first of all, before I interrupt you, um, I'll interrupt you with the 
pertinent information, which is in the last 10 against the Raptors, the Kings are one and nine. But they did, in fact, beat the uh, Raptors in Toronto in that one win, which oh, was. Okay. When was uh, it? Do you know? It's January 29th, 2021. Oh, so it was, the, it was those, last, almost two years ago. Yeah. Last year, technically. Yeah. And, but they lost both meetings this past year. So, yeah. this past season. And yeah, then so I was going to mm-hmm. say about Philadelphia, though. One thing about Philadelphia is they're ranked really high defensively and uh, ranked like middle of the pack offensively. But over their last five since Embiid's come back, um, they've been top 10 offensively and their defense has been down significantly. Interesting. But, yeah, so the I mean, I think the King, I don't know. I said this about the Bucks, but for different reasons. Um, I mean, the Kings could have an could have a chance to really win in Philadelphia, but I don't know. Between those two games, not only is you're playing Toronto on a back to back, but like I said, I just feel like you have a better chance beating the Sixers. It's just I don't know. I like yeah, the, the, those reasons you said for sure, and just. If you can lock down Harden, I think Mitchell locked down Harden last year in Brooklyn when he was still on the Nets. I think he shot like 0 for 8 against him or something. <laughs> I think like two days later, he's like, I want to be traded. And it wasn't. I mean, who knows? Maybe it was the reason. But I just remember that <laughs> happened and he requested a trade. So he had a poor shooting night and the Kings beat the Nets that night on top of that. So um, if you can lock down Harden, stop him. I mean, I think the Kings have a decent chance. And not to cut too far into our topics, but I do believe Fox was practicing today or yesterday. He was practicing yeah. on Monday. So he might come back too, which will help. But again, we'll we'll get to Fox later on. Def- definitely relevant though. And also relevant, uh, Alex Lendon practice on Monday with what? Uh, illness. <laughs> no, I don't know what we're going to do without him. Um, but they're bringing up Keita because he's got the two-way contract. Um and he's going to be available. Okay. Uh, I think uh, it'll be interesting because you you don't want Sabonis to get into foul trouble. You don't want, and also it's like I was looking at it, and it's like I don't know. You've seen like Metu get neutralized a couple of times, and the whole bench kind of get neutralized, which is another topic that we'll talk about later. And I feel like against Embiid and who's their backup center in Philadelphia? Harrell. I um, is it is it Harrell? Yeah, I think so. Okay. He's played like over 20 games this year at 11 and 11 or 12 minutes a game. I think I looked it up earlier. But, mm-hmm. you know, Harold's got like, what, 20, 25 pounds on Metu? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have 25 um, pounds on Metu at the center position. Yeah. And, but I mean, it just, it'd be interesting to see what happens. I don't think that that, that means Keita's going to come in and, you know, uh, get minutes or primary rotational minutes. Um, I think he's just there as an insurance policy, but it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, even because Jason Anderson pointed out, you know, it's a good idea. Like you just want the extra size and just in case there's foul trouble, um, which does bring up a good point. You don't want to get into foul trouble trying to defend Embiid, um, especially Sabonis. Uh, but just overall in that game, I guess uh, you were talking about Harden. I think, you know, he's the primary facilitator there. Um, He's like the, they don't really have a point guard right now. 
because Tyrese Maxey is hurt. And so, and Harden's leading the team in assists anyways. So I think as you're pointing to, because one of the things that a lot of the defenses have done to the Kings over these last three, um, particularly in the two losses, is that they've limited their ability to facilitate the ball. The Kings are averaging 20 assists on this road trip. So I think in a similar light, I don't know, uh, knowing that, you could it just sh- being able to shut down that ability, um, especially when it's just a simple point of attack like James Harden, uh, that might be a primary focus and that could really pay off. So shutting them down in that category uh, would probably be pretty big. But, I mean, I, I really do feel like they could pull out a win here. Um, I think you just you, you might be able to get into the paint against this team. They don't defend the paint super well, and they defend the perimeter well, and also on the other end, shoot the ball really well on three from the three. So, you know, the Kings give up a pretty high clip from three, but I know that everybody points to advanced statistics that say that the Kings defend shots and contest shots well, and the guys are just hitting shots. I don't know if that still holds up this far into the season, but, you know, I think that the Kings can, um, you know, be smarter, set up threes in a way, and don't do what they did against the Knicks where they were jacking up a lot of threes early in the game. Let the threes come to them by attacking inside and then also defending the perimeter. Um, and I think that there's just it just feels like the Kings match up pretty decently against Philadelphia. Yeah, I, I mean, if they want to get to three and three, they, they'll have to beat Philadelphia. Well, watch them beat Philly and Toronto and then lose to the Pistons to get to that well, three and three. Or just go four well, and two. Freaking the way I'm talking, they're going to freaking lose to Philadelphia and then beat Toronto in probably a miraculous game where they're like whipping their ass. <laughs> and I'm just going to look like an idiot. And they're going to go to Detroit and get blown out. <laughs> just kidding. If we lose to Detroit, I mean, that's where it's just like, ooh. I remember a couple of years ago, <laughs> I think it was Luke Walton's first year, and it's like the Kings were just sucking and the Pistons were sucking. It's just like, all right, just like beat Toronto. Or sorry, not Toronto, Detroit. I mean, just like get blown out by Detroit. And just like, <laughs> oh, my God. I, just, I don't know. I feel like Detroit, you just at least playing in Detroit. They, I mean, of course, on the road's always tough, but. We've had a couple bad losses to Detroit in the last couple of years. That one I just mentioned and uh, the Corey Joseph revenge game <laughs> after we <laughs> traded him in 2021 and he just like scored 30 or something on us. Like, oh. that... <laughs> Do you remember that game? No, but I just, you just, <laughs> I don't know why that just sounds like the best movie ever. <laughs> the Corey Joseph revenge game. Kate Cunningham's out for the year though. So I oh, mean, hey. Well, I mean, yeah. you never want to see that, but uh, no, I guess that works to the King's advantage. Yeah, yeah, it does. Another. And, you know, Murray's playing battle <laughs> better. So uh, it, maybe it'll be a little bit of a better game this time with the Murray-Ivy matchup because Murray didn't do much last time against the Pistons. That was kind of like a big deal, right? So maybe we'll get that that maybe more fair of a matchup this time, like more balanced stats this time instead of just watching Ivy go off. And, you know, Murray's he's shooting the ball well in December, and um, that's something we'll talk about too. But hopefully he can continue doing it and just kind of, you know, put those put those haters to doubt still. I mean, I think he did with Summer League and everything, but 
I think I still see a little bit of some Ivy fans out there. Like, we should have taken Ivy. So it'd be nice to see Murray go off against the Pistons for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's just, they'll, they'll have the benefit of knowing they'll be going home. They'll want the happy flight, you know, as they say in baseball. Uh It'll be interesting. It, I get. I want to wait to see what happens in these first two bikes before I get too far ahead on the Detroit one. But I just feel like, anyway, you cut that one. I'm like, you have to win, and you should win. So, yeah. I mean, but I mean, looking at the last three, I guess, because that's probably the best picture as to how they've been playing lately. Because, you know, despite the fact that they were playing, you know, really good basketball on both ends of the floor leading up to this road trip. Um, it just seems like the offensive flow has not been there. And I think a lot of that goes to the three teams they played. They did a lot to disrupt the Kings ability to, um, you know, as I was saying earlier, facilitate the ball to, secure uh i think definitely against the knicks and even against the the bucks too uh to secure defensive rebounds which they were doing really well um earlier in the year they were giving up a ton i think they're they're giving up i don't know how many offensive rebounds i think they gave up 17 in milwaukee they only gave up eight in, in cleveland they, and they gave up 15 in new york but they were just like especially bad at it in new york um in, in Milwaukee. And, uh, you know, I don't really know if that has everything to do with just the Kings getting out schemed or whatever, but I mean, I think it probably has a combination of being on the road. I mean, this, this is a tough road trip. Uh, it's a rigorous task every time they go out there on the floor. Um, but I mean, I don't know. What have you, what have you seen? One and two, you almost feel like, based on the way they played, they they kind of just threw two games away. So, I mean, like, how are you feeling after the first three of this road trip? Um, I feel okay. Because I was kind of, I mean, you lose to the Knicks and you expect them to win that game. But I also kind of expected to lose to Cleveland and the Bucks. I don't know. When, when I say I expected them to go three and three, right? I expected them to beat the Knicks. I expected them to beat the Pistons. I expected them to win one of those four games between the Raptors, Sixers, Bucks, and Cleveland. So you beat Cleveland, but then you lose to the Knicks. Um, so that means you're banking on beating two of those four teams I just mentioned, as well as the Pistons. So, I don't know. That's tough. I, I mean, I still think, I don't know. I, the, I, the game to win would be Philadelphia, especially on that back-to-back game. The Kings just didn't give me a lot of hope after their last back-to-back against the Hawks. Like I mentioned earlier, they looked really bad. And so going to Toronto after a back-to-back, it's just like, ugh, I don't have a lot of hope in that game. So it's that Philly game for me that I think they could win between those two. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't really want to end a road trip two and four, but I don't know. I'm kind of leaning that way a little more. I'm a little disappointed they didn't beat the Knicks and it, wasn't like like they got beat by the Knicks, right? It wasn't very close. So I'm feeling, uh, I don't know. 
We we didn't have Fox, so whatever. We didn't have Fox for two games, but we did win one without him. I don't know. I feel like I'm just going in circles now. You have to beat Philly and you have to beat Pistons, and then I'll be or or the Toronto. You have to you have to win two of the next three, and and two of those games are going to be tough. So I think it'll be you know not a successful road trip if you go two and four in it personally. Yeah, but based on the last three games that they played, um, they 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 really looked like out of character offensively. They've they've Aside from the fourth quarter against the Cavs, when they were went on the nineteen and 0, uh nineteen and nothing run, um, they they their offensive flows looked choppy. It's never really gained a sustainable stretch. Where I mean, it, it has at times, but it, it, especially I guess maybe I'm thinking mostly of the Knicks game, but even the the Bucks game. Mike Brown was saying. Milwaukee controlled and dictated everything, and that's how it felt. And yeah, the Cleveland game was a lot like closer. It was like kind of just, it felt like it was just going to go down to the to, to the last few possessions, and then the Kings just, like I said, turned it on. But for the most part, the Kings have not looked like you know a top offense uh, in the league, and I think that their offensive rating is. It's not even in the top five right now. So, you know, it's been interesting. Kind of just looking at the last 10, um, their defense has stayed, you know, their defensive rating on the year is 12, uh, 112. And uh, in their last 10, it's 107.9. But in these last three, you know, it's still pretty decent. But, uh, you know, 112.1 over these last three. So even on that end, it hasn't been that great just looking at these previous three games in particular um mm-hmm. so i mean i, th- I it's got to be like the absence of fox being on the east coast and also i do especially with the offensive struggles um and fox goes into it the absence of fox goes into it a lot and the injury to him both ways but i mean the way milwaukee and new york and even Cleveland, to a certain extent, just shut down the Kings' ability to facilitate 20 assists per game over the last three. Um, that's Kings win when they you know have a high assist percentage, and it was just so low and ridiculous, and uh, tells a whole story of the choppy flow. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying now. Um, yeah, the offense has kind of like, yeah, like the defense has been. Get you know figuring them out a little the the like that Bucks game for sure like Kings had a they needed to have an up tempo fast game against the Milwaukee who likes to play it slow and yeah the, the Milwaukee totally dictated that pace the whole game uh, the Bucks kept it slow and you know like you got to run against the Bucks you want to beat them and Cleveland game it just like you said, just their ability to facilitate. Same with the Knicks game. I think Sabonis only had like three assists uh, against the Knicks the other night. So uh, that's kind of telling. You kind of want them to see him in like the five and six. And I don't know. Like they definitely have to figure it out. And like you said, it, it Fox is out. So I mean, it's a big that's a big piece of your offense right there. And so I was kind of surprised they won that Cleveland game. But then that East Coast road trip, that's tough too. I, I don't know. It's they they do need to get. 
you know, the offense is the bread and butter of the team. They're good at they they've been improving on defense lately, but if they want to win games, that offense has to be going for sure. And yeah, it just it just hasn't these last three games. And I don't have too like hard analytical evidence or you know analysis about this, but it it doesn't it hasn't looked as good as it has throughout the year. So I can see why they dropped you know, last couple of games and they're just lucky they went on a 19 0 run to in the game against Cleveland. Cause I thought they were going to lose that game, but I guess they pulled it together when it matters, but they're, they're not going to win a lot of games the way their offense has been playing these last three games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I keep pointing to the assists and opponent offensive rebounds. I mean, like for the Kings were averaging 28, uh, a little more over 28 assists a game in November. And if you don't get up towards that number, like the Kings were playing good basketball um, because that was a huge component of it. So if you're not getting up to that, I mean, I don't know. But that, again, credit to the defense. I mean, of the uh, Knicks and the and the um, Bucks, but also it's like not just on this road trip, but you know, Sacramento's allowing. 11.4 offensive rebounds over their last 10 and 12.8 in their last five. And I was watching some of the, uh, the uh, clips of the offensive rebounds they allowed in Milwaukee and New York. And, you know, a f- few of them, it's just like, so a lot of them were like Sabonis battling with somebody or a long rebound, uh, it's kind of a 50-50 ball that just maybe that's not going the Kings way right now. Um, but there are a few times where it's just like there's a mix of different guys just kind of missing out on a box out opportunity. Um, you know, I feel like a few times kind of looking through it, you see kind of like Monk, Metu, maybe a guy like Akpala, Fox, but he's maybe I don't know if the foot injury has anything to do with that. You don't want to box out a big guy when he's coming at you. Um, or maybe you can't necessarily, but it just feels like it. Maybe this is a little conjecture, but f- from what I feel like, it just feels like some some of the the fundamentals that produce doing the little things, as they say. Like I think the screws just need to be a little tightened there, um, and it's probably just loosening a little bit more because of this road trip. But you know, it'll be important for a team that wants to compete as it were um, to kind of bear down and be able to, to maybe win a game in Philadelphia, but they got to be able to dictate the pace again. I mean, this is another team that when you look at these last couple of games and even stretch it back, but these last three in particular, like this is a team that plays kind of a similar game in a way. So, getting away from what they've been doing over these last three is really important. Um, and I guess you can just wonder how much Fox will have to do with it. I guess it just depends how healthy Fox is. Mm-hmm. And going back to that offensive rebounding uh, or just the rebounding in general uh, about how the Kings have had trouble limiting offensive rebounds and, um, you know, it's very important to limit second chance points. And it's something that I noticed uh, a lot is 
though it's like those long those long rebounds that aren't at the rim i feel like the kings lose a lot of those rebounds i think it just you know maybe the maybe the guards or the guys on the perimeter are trying to get out and break out quick but yeah it's nothing more frustrating watching one of those long rebounds just go right to like the guy who shot it or just another guy at the three-point line it's like you're letting a guy at the at the perimeter grab that board so i don't know and it could be a pacing right i mean like the Kings have a high pace. Maybe they're just like, all right, get the rebound and run. But if it's becoming that big of an issue, maybe you just need to keep your guys back and secure the possession. So that's just something I've kind of noticed with the offensive rebound, offensive rebounding predicament. At the moment that's that's true. It's just whether it's just the long rebound off a three or like <laughs> I feel like Hartenstein on the Knicks got a couple of bad outs and. Um, Mitchell Robinson too, uh, and those it's the same thing. Those just land in, in in the Knicks' lap. But it's just like, well, if you secure those rebounds somehow, um, I don't know. I, I think you're right though. It probably has to do with uh, them wanting to push it all the time, which is good. But you know, if teams are going to adjust on you in that aspect, kind of make an adjustment. And another, um, it'd be interesting to see what happens, uh, in that regard. Um, luckily I'm not a coach, so I don't have to figure that out, but yeah, I don't know. They, I, I, again, I, I think it kind of makes you wonder, um, how, how much more helpful, healthy Fox would be and all that, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Because even yeah. if Fox is in a position to be getting long rebounds, to be in that kind of like mid-range area to get a long rebound, I mean, he gets that in the team could have, you know, two or three defenders on their way back and he could beat them all there. Yeah. Very. <laughs> so, and Fox is a, he's a good rebounder too. He's yeah. He's, yeah. He puts himself in a good position to do it. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, that, that could be, huge answer as to what's going on but that might be a nice transition to the fact that because we haven't spoken since last week uh jason anderson of the sacramento b reported i don't know what was it friday that um i think yeah that fox has been dealing with a bruised foot since the orlando game which was like five weeks ago yeah early i think november 5th or something first weekend in november yeah and um, he's been dealing with that, and also he injured his thumb against Indiana that he reaggravated against Milwaukee. But that was kind of just mentioned. The foot seemed to be the major thing. Fox said it hurt him quote a lot, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because Fox had such an interesting. He had some really good games in there, <laughs> um, yeah. and it makes you wonder because he started to kind of peter out. Um, maybe the, hopefully this is some kind of lesson learned that maybe he should have taken a game off or two earlier to prevent it from getting worse. Cause that's kind of what it sounds like to me. And I think it sounds like to a lot of people that this could have been kind of the, the full effect of this could have been minimized if he just rested a little bit. Right. A hundred percent. Uh, yeah, cause, I mean, he heard it in on November 5th against the Magic. And he had a big game, hit that game winner uh, from half court. And then 
he he went on a run after that. He had I think he got player of the or player of the week nominee. Then he got player of the week, and then kind of after that he started petering out on that road trip right before Thanksgiving with um what who did we play that week? I don't, I don't, oh, it was that it was that Hawks game that that back to back that I mm-hmm. referenced earlier in the podcast. And he kind of just started. It was that Hawks game, really. It's like okay, yeah. Like, he didn't show up, but it's like ah, second game of back to back because he did well against Memphis the night before. 32 points against Memphis. Yeah. He had 18 against Atlanta. 18, 20 against the Celtics. And then he hasn't broken 20 since then. He sat out the last two games. But just like that report comes out. It was like six or seven bad games in a row. Not bad, but I mean, Kings won some of those. But it's like, all right. Like Fox is going from scoring 30 a game the last two weeks. Now to he can't even reach 20. And he's not driving. He just looked, he looked off like. He was standing in the corner, not really doing much. And so then you hear, like, this comes out. And it's like, yeah, he hurt his foot. And he's like, yeah, it hurts a lot. Like, okay. Yeah. Like, I get yeah. it. And then, like, Anderson's describing, like, yeah, they're putting, like, ointment on it and doing a light wrap on it. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, <laughs> just rest, dude. Like, I'm, I'm glad they, you know, I, I, I don't know. At least if you're not going to rest it after that game it's just like okay he's, he was still like he put one player of the week with this foot injury that's like after at least after these six games or seven games where he was like all right what's going on now it's like it's maybe do that a little earlier in that bat than like when he's it started to be noticeable that something was affecting him but uh, whatever i mean we went one and one without him because i think he's coming back tonight so hopefully he's it's you know those two nights off those two games off have helped but this could have been preventable i mean not preventable i guess he's missing two games regardless but you wish let me let me put it this way what if he's what how big of a difference would it have made if he sat out the game in atlanta uh yeah i mean second game of a back-to-back i mean like not saying you want to throw with it throwing the towel on anything but you know (laughs) it's a game that you don't have the biggest probability of winning. I think and that, I think they were winning though, right? That, that was still, yeah, they had a win streak, streak going, right? Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. That's, but. that's probably why I guess, I mean, I'm not saying it's right, but I can see their reasoning. Okay. But. And then that pivots into, doesn't that turn into a lesson, which is like I said earlier. Yeah. Like hopefully that turns into a lesson, especially if you want to be a team in it for the long haul. Now I get it. There's still like, you know, they, they could very like reasonably be battling for positioning and every game matters. You know, it's not like they're going to be like at the top of the West and they can just, they got this deep experienced team and they can rest their stars for as, for as many games as they want, but doing it every once in a while probably wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, especially when like injuries can like that stuff nags and it can you know, like last year, I feel like you didn't see Fox in the whole middle of the year because he's just dealing with stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Like, is there a history of this kind of stuff? I don't yeah, know. Especially Fox, too. It's like your foot. Especially in that Bucks game, he was he looked so off. I'm like, why isn't this guy driving? Like, like, And he loses his purpose a little. He couldn't shoot. He couldn't get his shot going because he wasn't respected in the paint. And he had a couple <laughs> open shots where he just and um you know the foot probably affected that too so it's just like 
All right, why do we let, why do we let it get to this point? If it's bothering him that bad, he can't do what he's out there to do. Might as like might as well just rest him at this point. And have Mitchell start. It's probably Mitchell at his strongest is probably what Fox is at this point. Like sixty five percent of him. And he's still playing good D and stuff, but it, it just was obvious that dude needed that dude needed a break. So glad they did it. But you're right; it should be a lesson learned and take care of it sooner. Like <laughs> that art, that report, just like all right. Like it wasn't like yeah, like it just hurts. It's like yeah, it seemed like a not like significant, but it sounded like it was nagging him pretty pretty hard. So. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know exactly what a foot bruise is. Yeah, I don't either. That, that sounds like the type like of thing that if you just don't keep making it worse, if you just give it a... I don't know, I'm not a medical professional, but it's just, it just it's hard not to look at this and be like it's... and, and not say it was avoidable. Um, yeah. Because it, it's like we were just saying, it's like, Man, he probably would have made a difference. And now I don't want to get like too particular because you made a good point. It's like they were on a win streak. You don't want to rest at that point. He's not going to make a big deal out of it. Um, that's kind of his job is to go out there and compete regardless of, you know, any nicks or bumps. Um, but it's like, man, having not having Fox on the road is just like tough. Like you're really making a, a tough task tougher. And again, I don't want to get like too particular and nitpicky, but it's just like, wouldn't you also kind of rather have him rest at home, kind of with the home crowd behind you? Mm-hmm. Good point. I don't know. I don't know. No, I, I think you're right. It they they put it off way too long. Um, at the end of the day, it seemed like just after the article, and it was like there was there's no. I, I felt like I don't know. Would they have? Would they have rested him if that article didn't come out? Because in the article it said he, they had yeah. no intentions of him missing time. And That's then, a good the, point. and then I think I forget. Did that article come out before or after the Bucks game? Do you remember? Uh, it came out after the Bucks game. Yeah. Um, okay. And then he sits the next two games, so it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Did that come out? I can't remember. Did it come out Thursday or Friday? I think I have it right here. When when they played the Bucks, Thursday came out on the eighth. Oh no, it came out Thursday morning. Um, and when they played Milwaukee, Wednesday. So it was right in between the two games. That makes sense. So, I mean, good. I don't know. I mean, Fox spoke to them, so maybe I don't know. It's kind of weird, but yeah. (laughs) At the end of the day, I'm glad. I'm glad he's taking. He, he at least took these two games off, and I hope he's okay to go tonight against Philly. Um, and I hope he's, you know, I hope he took the necessary time off because we're gonna need this dude all year. It's game twenty five, twenty six tomorrow night or tonight. So we'll yeah. see. Should but it, you're it, would, right. it would it also be, be interesting? It'd also be interesting to to see if they would either and i don't think this that they would do this voluntarily have fox sit the second of the back-to-back or if you know it'll be interesting to see how he feels after one game you know um i don't know i guess that's just something to keep an eye on but it's just it just seems so it just seems so (laughs) it's it seems like it's really counterintuitive and like I said, just making a tough thing tougher uh, on this road trip. 
but here we are. We'll see what happens uh, against Philadelphia. That'll be the, be the big test, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See if he plays. I mean, I'm assuming he's going to play if he's if he's practicing. So we'll need him. We'll need him against Philly and Toronto, but we'll, we're going to need 100% Fox. So I don't know. I mean, I have nothing else to say on it other than just have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, another, I mean, another reason Fox would be really useful um, is because, and I don't know, I think we may have touched upon this, but Sacramento's bench uh, on this road trip hasn't really done anything. And I think that coming into the road trip, they were averaging over 40 points a game as a bench unit. And... I think in these first three games, they're averaging like 24 points a game. And Malik Monk only has two assists. You're not really seeing so much of the energy boost. There's stretches where they play well, um, but they're not having the same impact as, you know, when the team was winning all these games and whatnot um, uh, before this road trip. Um, And... It's just, I think Monk in particular, because we were talking a week or two ago, I think just last week that, you know, when, especially when Sabonis goes off the floor, um, but even when Fox goes off the floor, just Sabonis, uh, Monk is one of the best players on the team because he helps keep things afloat and he helps keeps the engine running. And he does that by pushing the ball, pushing the pace, pushing the ball into the paint. Um, where he facilitates and can score. Um, both things open up for one another. And it really lights a fire under everybody and gets things going. And then all of a sudden, the opposing team has Sabonis checking back in or whatever. And it just, you don't get a break. And when you take that away, um, it really not only takes away a huge asset, but now you're forcing Sabonis to play more. Um, on an already grueling road trip and work harder. Um, and, you know, we're talking about two out of these three previous games in particular where they're not exactly looking at themselves, looking like themselves. That's another big reason why. Um, and, you know, again, it's interesting because Monk said, I think a week ago, that he's able to get really easy looks at the rim because teams just expect him to pass now. That it, you know, which kind of just give off the impression it's like, man, this guy's got everything at his disposal. And then he comes into these games and he's got two assists or whatever over the last three. And I don't know. It just seems like the team's really adjusted to Malik Monk. And um, it, that, he was a big part of why this team was playing so well. Um, And he'll be a big part of why they start playing well again, presumably. Um, so when he's not playing up to that level, you see the drop off and I don't know. What have you, you agree with that, right? Yeah. I mean, of course he's the third best player on the team without Fox. He's the second best player. And it's, I don't know. Of course we're going to be hurting when Monk, one of your top three guys isn't going, especially with your second best player out. So that's been detrimental really fishing and the Knicks and uh, he, he just kind of looked off. Um, 
Man, I just, the dude's, I mean, yeah, all credit to defense, but, you know, Malik, he's, dude's a microwave. That's what I like to call him. Like, he heats up, but you got to heat up first, right? And he just hasn't got there yet uh, or over the last couple of games. So, I don't know. Maybe he seems like the type of player where it's like, all right, like, he might have, you might go cold, he might go real cold. I mean, that's what we're seeing right now. Um, Because, I don't know. He's just been he's been playing so well, hitting his shots and everything. It seems like he's making like or dishing out five assists a game. Um, so I don't know. It's just it's those streaky players, right? Those field players, and it doesn't help you on the road, but it, it I mean it hurts a lot. So especially without Fox out, like you, you need someone to step up. It's it's Monk. Or at least be play at the level he was playing at. It seemed like over the last week or two. So with his absence on the offense, really, it's just it may, it may make sense why we've lost, or at least we lost against the Knicks. And he yeah. didn't play too well against the Bucks either, or the. Yeah. Uh, well, he had, he was good in the first half against the Bucks, and he yeah, was, he was just non-existent. So. Mm-hmm. But it's also not just what he does to keep the team afloat, but just also unlock the rest of the bench unit, especially like a guy like Chemezi Metu. Um, like all the production that you see out of Metu, you could, not all of it, um, but a good amount of like, like when Metu gets alley-oops, it's usually coming from like Malik Monk. And, you know, Monk's ability to kind of keep the pace going allows met to his rim running opportunities, which also open up opportunities for dunks. So when Monk's not doing a lot of those things or isn't able to do a lot of those things, like met to had, he, he had zero field goal attempts uh, against the Knicks. I think, I mean like Sabonis played what like 39 minutes. So like they were trying to get Sabonis back out there as soon as possible. I think Metu only played nine minutes, like most of the Met bench guys, but you know, it affects that as well. Um, but also like Terrence Davis was out for a while with a back injury and he came, he returned to, uh, play in New York, you know, first game back, you know, of three from deep, uh, not really doing anything. Um, Akpala, like speaking about those offensive rebounds, like I noticed he kind of wasn't up to speed on a lot of the, uh, boxing out he did a pretty poor job of that on a few instances um he only played a few minutes uh who else there uh and uh trey lyles he actually played pretty well but he missed all that he missed that considerable i guess chunk of time with the the illness and it just kind of feels like they're just working him back and kind of keeping the matchups um but he played pretty decently in about eight or nine minutes against the Knicks. So it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of, like, I think he hit a three that was kind of big. It felt like it kind of got things going again. And then I think he ended either the first half or the third quarter with a, I think it was the third, he ended the third quarter with a, and one finish at the rim. I think after an offensive rebound. And so like expect him to see him maybe on the floor more. Maybe he'll kind of, help out the bench unit a little bit, maybe kind of working in some fresher legs maybe. But you see, 
it, you see all these issues and it kind of, you look up at the top and it's Malik Monk at the top of this pyramid essentially. And when he's shut down, there's nothing false to the rest of everybody else. So it's kind of rough. It'll be important for him to kind of work past it, I guess, or I don't know. Philadelphia is probably going to be presenting the same challenges as the last couple of games. So um, I don't know, but that bench unit is huge. And Monk is one of the most important players on this team. Yeah. You can can see it in in the drop off. Yeah. That bench, I mean, you said it, he's, the bench is so important to this team, this team's success. I mean, that's why they've been doing so well. They're an important piece of this team. And he's the catalyst of that bench. And he's not going. It's, you know, we see it. The, the bench can't get it going either. So we'll see. We'll see how he is tonight. Hopefully he can get back on track. And maybe with Fox back into it, it can help. But, yeah, he's had it rough. And, you know, he's pain. And so is the bench. And so are we. So is the team. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like I left out a big thing on the um, these previous three. Another thing that happened. Now, granted, they won in Cleveland, but over the last two games, um, the Kings have shot really poorly from the free throw line, particularly Sabonis and Barnes. Um, but the boogeyman is at the free throw line, and it's scaring the heck out of the Sacramento Kings. Um, I think they shot under 70% both games. I, I think it was like 63% against the Cavs and 65% against the Knicks. And I think what, the Kings lost by 13 to the Knicks. It was a close game, but they left 12 at the line. And I know that doesn't necess- that doesn't even if they make all 12 of those, they still lose. I get it. But like, how different does the game go if they're hitting those, if they're a little closer? into it. I mean, like there's something defeating about every time the Kings would kind of go on a run, they wouldn't really go on a run. And you just keep looking up at the score and it was like 12 or 14 or 16 point lead for the Knicks, like the whole game. And I feel like the free throws kind of played into that aspect. And I don't know. I just kind of, since we're in the habit here today of picking out some negatives here, um, this, this, they got to nip this one quick. They cannot be not making free throws because I mean, I, I believe this team will be able to bounce back, but they're continuing on the road, which is tough to kind of recalibrate and reset. Um, but I mean, like you saw what happened when they played the Clippers in the second game of the year, they lost that game because they missed free all those free throws. They shot 57% from the charity stripe that night and they lost the game because of that. Like if they hit uh, just a few more of those, cause I think they lost by two or three points to, to the Clippers that day. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, you, that very well could have been made up for by the free throw line. And, you know, we're talking about them being able to match up pretty well against the 76ers. You're playing in Philadelphia um, or you're going to Toronto on a back to back or you got to finish off a road trip in Detroit. Like you got to be able to hit those free throws. Cause you don't want these games that could potentially be closer than you'd like them to be. Or especially in the case of the first two, probably if you're going to have any chance, be pretty close. You're going to need to capitalize on that. And we were kind of pointing to other things in terms of like, they need to tighten the screws on some things. This actually might be 
the most, even though it's just the last two, as opposed to stretches of five or 10 games, even um, this, this, you don't want this getting out of hand, particularly in Sabonis's case, because he gets like a quarter of his points from the free throw line. And Harrison Barnes gets, I think about the same amount too. His is a little below season average over the last couple of games. So I don't know. I am like overreacting, I guess, about the free throws after two games. I mean, I there's nothing worse than leaving points at the line. There's nothing worse. They're, they're free buckets. It's something they teach you, you know, from such an early on age. You, you got to make your free throws. So it is, it's just it's just more frustrating. I mean, the Kings, know, they, they've had their games where they shoot bad, but I feel like they've been a decent, I don't know what they are ranked, but they've been like a decent free throw shooting team this year. And um, it's just, it's just, it's annoying. Like you gotta make, you gotta make your free throws at a decent clip, right? And it's a bonus, yeah. He is, he is not like good from the free throw line, and especially with Fox out, I mean, he's, I guess, your best scorer, right? So it's when you see him getting fouled and then missing a free throw, I, to me, it's more frustrating than anything else. Because then, yeah, you look at it and say, yeah, if you make a couple more free throws, you could have won this. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you have to nip it in the bud. He's got, you got to knock that off. Really, just, I mean, yeah, <laughs> nothing else to say. It's just, it's just frustrating more than anything. So the Kings have been good this year at the line. Maybe it's just you know outlier couple games, and they'll get back on track. Hopefully, and I think they will. Sabonis, I mean, they, they did after that that Clippers game. Sabonis was shooting like just under eighty percent, or like over eighty percent, something around eighty percent, in like the twenty one games after that Clippers game. Yeah, well, good, and that's. Awesome. But again, it's like yeah. as I said, it's like while I do believe they'll be able to figure it out, it's like will they be able to do it while they're on the road? I don't know because it was only one game that it really was bad, like where it was really terrible, and they snapped right out of it. When they didn't leave California, um, mm-hmm. but now they're on the East Coast, so it's a little—I don't know. Maybe it's a little different. It is. It is a little different. Again, I don't know. You tell me. Am I overreacting about the free throws after two games? I guess as no. with the, anything else, they'll they'll tell us uh, by the results of the Philadelphia game. They'll probably I go don't... like thirty-five of thirty-five from the free throw <laughs> line. And you know what? Good. And that's what. <laughs> no, I want to see it. Do. Yeah, I want to see it too. I, I don't think you can ever overreact over a poor, poor free throw shooting game, even though it's life and it happens. That's just statistics. It's like, it's just I don't know. It's like one of those things you can control yourself. No one's guarding you. You set the line wide open shot. I get it. It's not that easy, but I don't know. These guys are pros. You got to make the shots. As someone who likes to watch the game, I mean, like I think free throws are an underrated aspect of it. And I love watching free throws go in because it's just such an ugly thing to watch a not to watch a missed free throw. It's such yeah, an ugly thing. That's true. I mean, they always say basketball is a game. It's like music. And it's like a free throw would be like the opening note of a solo. And it's like a miss is like fucking up that note, you know, <laughs> just like, yeah, just hitting the wrong key or whatever the deal is. I don't know. I don't play an instrument, but you know what I mean? And, uh, so if I had it my way, I would I would have the whole league shoot 100 percent from the line. But how so how it should be? Everyone should just go underhand. Put your pride aside, Rick Barry. <laughs> Dude, absolutely. Yeah, right. 
Nothing, I mean, now we're going to go into a little tangent, but nothing's worse than watching like when Dwight Howard, you know, I mean, he's still, I don't know how his free throw shooting is in Taiwan nowadays, but it's like, just change it up. Like, where's your pride in shooting like 39% from the line? Just, just granny that stuff. You could score like another 10 points a game and you're already scoring like 23. Like, just granny it. I don't can know. you can you shoot a hook shot from the free throw line? I I don't see why not. <laughs> I don't know so. if anyone should unless you're Kareem. But once if there's a guy that came into the league, he's like, yeah, I just have to do it with my back to the rim. <laughs> he shoots like eighty. <laughs> he shoots like eighty nine percent. It's like he does. I don't know. He nails it. Well, you oh. remember uh, DeAndre Jordan? He's a terrible free throw shooter, and mm-hmm. then he switched. He, he switched hands. I think he's left-handed, so he switched to shooting free throws right-handed, and he became like an 83% free throw shooter. I didn't even know that. Same with Tristan Thompson. He's he's a lefty, and then he switched to righty, and then he's like decent. Kind of weird. Is that is that because like you're learning to use the hands, so I, you're like I know while it's learning and you're getting the kind of control over it, it's getting in the motion, and you're kind of like like molding its growth almost it's it's either that or people have literally just been using the wrong hand the wrong hand their whole lives i don't know <laughs> could, could you like i don't know i can't imagine myself shooting decently left-handed in a i could barely like do a regular shooting motion i don't know it's just some things some stuff left-handed just feels so awkward and you know i guess if you practice enough but like throwing a baseball like could you do a wind up on the mound left-handed like just all no. of a sudden no it's it's hard it's weird you just feel awkward like you don't have the mechanics down so i don't know i don't know it just has nothing to do with the kings but it is interesting granny yeah. free throws that's what mike brown should just do it's like all right everyone Anybody that sh- anybody that's shooting below seventy five percent, looking at you, Kevin Herter. <laughs> I know. Why is Herter such a bad free throw shooter? I don't know, but yeah, he don't let him off the hook in this this topic. Yeah. Um, it's been a little been a little rough for him, but yeah, I don't know. I, I'm sure he would really have a hundred percent of an answer. He's just not falling in. I don't know, but yeah, free throws. Don't let him get out of hand, no. especially especially Sabonis and Barnes. Yeah, not the guys who get to the line the most, right? They're, they you got to make them. Yeah. So. And it just it, what difference does it make? Like if you're making the right decision to get to the line, but you can't capitalize on it. Yeah. No, it's true. I don't think you're overreacting. You asked me that. I don't think it's an overreaction. I think you're right. I think Mike Brown's got it. Just practice full of free throws. That's it. Yeah. Taking a thousand each. Yeah. Freaking threaten to take that beam away. No. <laughs> <laughs> defensive player of the year chain or player of the game chain. <laughs> defensive player of the game. I feel like now that Sabonis got that, the first he was the first player to get administered that chain. Um all the redditors that just crap on our articles that talk about Domas's defense can just eat it. <laughs> I do for real. Everyone should go back and read that article because John was right. He said it. You guys didn't want to believe it because he's not blocking three shots a game or he fouls a lot. All right. Well, DPOG. 
That's right. That was so random. Uh, I was just I trying to watch the po- the post game press conference, and I clicked on the first video, thinking that's what it was. And I'm just like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> it's a freaking blinged out chain. Um, but yeah, moving on. I guess since we've been kind of kind of looking at the less um, savoring. Uh, 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 things about the first three games of this trip. I guess a good thing about these um, first three games of the road trip is that Keegan Murray has kind of been playing like he did at the beginning of the season. Yeah, Murray's since December started. He's he's looked good. Seventeen points a game, um, fifty four from the field, fifty two from three. Um, I mean, it's only been five games, but he uh, he looks so bad in November. And it's nice to see him succeeding on the road as well because I feel like he played extra bad on the road during November. So, I mean, he's he's our starting four, and it, it definitely hurt when he wasn't hitting the threes uh, when he needed to or just hitting them at all. So it's definitely a nice, nice thing to see with Murray kind of getting back on track. Uh Cause it did hurt a little and he's, he plays good D and uh, he always has, or not always has, but you know, he, he was playing it in November still, but it was that offense. that was kind of like, ah, okay, let's get that shot back. And seems to be cutting a little more aggressively and uh, just playing better on the offensive end. So it's kind of all coming together again. He's a rookie, you know, I'll give him, give him some slack for November, but um, you know, I don't know. I have, I hold this guy up you know, a little above other rookies just from what we've seen uh, so far in his short NBA career. So I expect a little more out of him uh, than what he did in November. So it's nice to see him back on kind of where I thought, I think he should be as a player. Yeah. Yeah. But like you're saying, I mean, he was, you know, he was always good on the glass. He was always making his strides defensively getting better, but that three point shot, unlocks a lot of ability for him to find comfort uh, on the offensive end in the NBA. And you're seeing him kind of, I mean, he never lost his confidence or anything like that. I never expect him to, but you're seeing him kind of like, again, kind of like gain that feel Um, that it is different than the college game and it's different than summer league and preseason and whatnot. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he finally, I, just to kind of talk about his defense, I was really happy to see against the Knicks because it seems like over the last several games, he keeps getting blocking fouls, uh, standing in front of the restricted areas, the low man. <laughs> he just hasn't had a break. He doesn't get a lot of breaks because he's a rookie on a lot of calls. He gets called for a lot of travels. I mean, everybody does, actually. But um, he finally got a, a – he finally drew a charge. Uh, against the Knicks. I think it, was, it might have been his first, or at least his first in a while. So that was really good to see. But again, that three, thinking about the offensive end, um, at least here in the NBA, it, it unlocks and opens up a lot of other things for him. And just gaining a better feel, too. But, I mean, should... I, mean, I think we said this in late October, but it's like, it's all uphill from here, you know? It's just, it's all, it's the only place you can go. <laughs> but I mean, a rookie season is going to have its up and downs. And I don't know. It's interting, oh, though. Oh, we you, saw you it down. Like to, 
yeah, we, we sure don't want to see it be like a month by month thing. Um, but it is interesting that with the flip of a calendar, kind of figured it out, like almost like in baseball, when it's just like a guy's slumping, just sees a new month, new calendar, new thing on the calendar, and uh, it just starts hitting 280 again. But yeah. I think also it has a huge deal probably to do with the closing minutes of that Clippers game where he kind of found a, found a little bit of a rhythm with the shot. Because um, I think getting that shot off in game time, having the opportunity to do it with the pressure off, like you're playing mop-up time and uh, in a victory. So I don't know. I feel like the, you got to give that moment a lot of credit for helping them kind of regain it. Because he shot two for nine against the Pacers at home. And everybody will point to, well, he shoots better at home. Um, but he comes back from that, and he's had these last five games. So, yeah, it's been great. And um, I think it's interesting because over the last ten games, a lot of guys' three-point percentage is down. Like, I think over his last ten, Herter's shooting below 30%. Monk shooting yeah. 31, 32% in his last 10. Dang. Barnes is shooting 36. Um, you know, like Davion and Terrence Davis are both shooting under 30%. Um, Trey Lyles is shooting 33%. Fox is 34 in the eight games he's played over the last 10. Um, you know, and then you got like Metu and Akpala. It's not like we were expecting them to be sharpshooters. But like Keegan's the only one that's above 37% at 37.9 over the last 10. Um, and I'm sure that if I looked at the last five numbers, it would be a lot better, but I think all the last 10 sound a little better. Um, but, um, yeah. So I think the, the whole team's three point percentage is down over the last 10. They're shooting 33%. And I think he's kind of been the lone bright spot lately from that range. Yeah. And honestly, you said a name that we don't talk enough about, <laughs> but Kevin Herter is like terrible from three as of late. Like he's kind of had a lot of up and down games. I, right? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But like, dude, he's had a, I mean, I think he went zero for ten, like maybe a couple of games ago. Maybe not a couple. Maybe it was like four or five now. But he's kind of just. I yeah, think he started off so hot. Twenty-seven percent this month, but I mean, he yeah. did. He had. Like, he went one of three against the Clippers. It's like, okay, that's not terrible. But he went one of 11 against the Bulls, which I think you're talking about. Yeah, okay, maybe that was Three of six against Milwaukee and then three of seven against Cleveland. But then he went two of nine against New York. Um, Yeah. Nobody was shooting the three in New York. It was weird. No. No. Murray. Kind of weird. I mean, he started off the year so hot, so... He's coming back down to earth a little, but yeah, I mean, maybe, this is maybe not, of, maybe not this hard back to earth. Like, I don't know, twenty-seven percent from Herder. The guy was shooting like fifty-four through like ten games. Yeah, but yeah. oh well, so that's a shooter. Shooters, shooters gonna shoot. Ebb and flow. Yep, yep, yep. But yeah, Keegan Murray, um, killing it lately. Um, Keegan killing it. Keegan, man, just just in time for Christmas. Just in just in time for Christmas. Don't don't forget to pick up your Murray Christmas <laughs> holiday sweaters. We partnered up with Keegan. If you haven't heard yet, uh, yeah, holiday sweater. Cap City Crown dot store. Pick it up. 
it's fun. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's my ad for it. John, do you have anything to add to my ad? Yeah, I'm not really an advertising uh, expert, but I think you did well. Oh, thank you. It's um, like I, I need to like create those ones where it's like, like the announcer. It's like a little one-off during a free throw. It's like checking in Cash Creek. I need to get better at doing that. We're still newer to the podcasting game, so maybe I don't know. We've been been doing this. We've been doing this for less than a year. Less than a year. (laughs) Trade deadline. I think yeah, that was the time. But Keegan, yeah, killing it. But uh, I don't know. What's the next topic? Do we have more topics? Do we have one more topic? And it's actually kind of a, a big one. Okay. Uh, or a considerable one. All right. Yeah, it probably will end up being nothing. <laughs> you can quote me on that. What is it? Big or nothing? I don't know. I don't know yet. But <laughs> let's talk about it. Okay. Um. What? I, don't, I think I'm saying this guy's name right. Eric Pincus of... Uh, Who? Eric Pincus. <laughs> I think is his name. I don't know. If it's a C, not a K. Oh. In there, so it's like I don't know if it, but I don't think Maybe it would Pincus? be Pincus. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it would be Pincus. Okay, Pincus though. I think it I'm is. gonna go with Pincus. Okay. According to Eric Pincus of Bleach Report, the Kings are said to have interest in Toronto's Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, and Washington's Kyle Kuzma. Um. Now. First of all, Siakam is not going to happen because you would need to include probably a first-round pick for Siakam. And the Kings can't trade a first-round pick um, right now. Um, how do you feel about the other two? <laughs> I mean, first of all, that would, I guess, to just touch upon the, the first-round pick, you're basically talking about, I don't know, a package deal that would include Harrison Barnes and somebody like Davion Mitchell. Um, what do you, I mean, Kyle Kuzma, Ananobi, do you have any initial thoughts, any kind of instinctual gut feelings? I mean, Kuzma, like I get, we're trying to get Kuzma a couple years ago for buddy. And then he had a good year in Washington last year. So I don't know. I just like, he just doesn't fit this team anymore. I would have loved to have him last year, but it's not last year anymore. He has a player option next season that he's probably going to decline the way he's been playing. So, you know, like what, a one-year rental for what? Like we move in Murray to the bench now. I mean, which isn't bad, but no, I kind of like what we got right now. Like, I, I, I don't know. I guess I wouldn't mind moving Murray to the bench, but I don't think it's necessary. Uh, and I, I think he plays well. I think he does a lot. He's always he's always up there in the plus and minuses uh, for the Kings, which is you know telling I think in itself. So I don't know Kuzma. Just I get it. We try to go after him, but uh, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to fit uh, like maybe it did two years ago. Bananobi, like that dude's a really good defender. Um, I'm assuming you're getting rid of Barnes at that point, Bananobi. So. I mean, that would be awesome. I mean, that, out of those three, I mean, of course, you'd like to have Siakam the most, but like that's just unrealistic. So, 
I mean, if they can make an offer for OG, like, go for it. It'd, it'd be awesome to bring him over. Not like the best three-point shooter, but he's still scoring 19 points a game this year, leading the league in steals. And like I, like I said, just a really good defender at that small forward position. So um, I, I don't know what a package would look like. You would almost think that he would require a first-round pick. Like, I, I think he's that good. So... Mm. I, I don't know. I, I don't even know if he's possible to get like, unless you, I don't know. The Kings just don't have a lot of, especially with that first round pick gone until whenever 28 or not 28, like 25, 26 uh, with Herter. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like even Davion Mitchell doesn't have that much like attraction to yeah. his name. Like it's just like Murray, but you're not trading Murray this early on. So and I would love OG, but I just like, he's more he's a little more realistic than Siakam, but at the same time, I I think there's a first he's uh, he's worth a, a first round pick or a, a top prospect, and so it's either Murray or nobody, I think, or you know obviously Sabonis or Fox, but that's not happening either. Yeah. So I see it a little out of the realm of possibility for the Kings as well. But uh, what do you think? Oh, I mean, that's like a lot of rumors <laughs> that the Kings get thrown into. Um, like, I think in Kuzma's case, it just doesn't make sense. And I think that the only reason Pincus said it was because, and I think he noted it, was because of the the tr- the, the trade from a couple of years ago. that Or from a, oh, God, that wasn't that long ago. Um, uh, before uh, L.A. traded Kuzma to Washington. That was kind of the only connection he kind of made. Um, I, I I agree with you that it just wouldn't make sense otherwise. Um, for the Kings, it just doesn't seem like like again with the the idea that he's going to be uh, not necessarily retained. That's the one issue with Barnes, or the main issue with Barnes. Um, so like, why would you be doing that? Basically, um, swapping guys for a guy that's maybe a little more effective. Um, but like you said, I don't know necessarily fits as well into and it integrates with what this team is trying to do. And an Anobi would actually be kind of perfect. Um, but again, it's not really feasible. I mean, he's a better defender and a better rebounder and younger than Barnes. That'd be great. But I don't know. Like if Davion Mitchell was scoring 12, 13 points off the bench, and hitting a bunch of threes or hitting the majority of his threes and was really looking like he was hitting his max potential earlier than ever. Um, maybe, but I don't know. I don't, I think if you punch it into the ESPN, uh, trade thing, it'll actually tell you that this trade makes the Raptors like worse and it makes the Kings a lot better. And so it's just like, I mean, if the, if the uh, kind of automated generated thing on the computer is kind of <laughs> confirming my suspicions, uh, I just don't buy much into that. And, I, and the Kings are thrown into this with a bunch of other teams, you know? Mm-hmm. And another point I would bring up is just a couple of weeks ago, there was the report that the Kings were just m- going to move forward with Harrison Barnes, focusing on the chemistry. And we were kind of talking about that. It's like, Oh, okay. They just kind of admitting they don't have, any, they don't they have, they can't do anything else. Like they kind of have to stick with that. They might as well. 
um, which we thought also would kind of maybe that kind of sets up the opportunity for a contract extension, which is not, you can't sniff that out anywhere right now. Um, but I just don't see a trade really happening at this point, just because for all the reasons you laid out, I just don't know if it's possible um, for that kind of a pull. I still think that the Kings might make a move of some sort closer to the deadline, um, but I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be something like that. A, a trade I do see out there, I guess I haven't really talked to you about it, but um, is, or maybe we did talk about it, but maybe okay maybe we did it was like robert covington for rashawn holmes we we discussed that yeah yeah i just yeah it would make sense holmes isn't playing much on the kings covington's not playing much on the clippers i i don't know how badly the clippers need a backup center um i mean the kings need a backup small forward and covington yeah i mean covington's good a good defender kind of a three and d guy so It'd be interesting. I'd be down for that, but um, I don't know. I think the Kings will make a trade too. That's one that I've I've seen around uh, early on this year, and it makes the most sense as well, at least on our end. I don't know how much make sense it makes on the Clippers' end yet, but um, but I, I agree. I think they will make a move. They're kind of just you, you know they're a playoff team now. Like that's what playoff team. They're not a playoff team, but they're the fifth seed right now. And if they keep that up. Those teams, those kind of teams, you know, they make moves to get better late in the season. So it's December. We're still a little ways from the trade deadline, but um, it's not that far away. A couple months. So, you know, Monte's thinking and we're already getting linked to trade rumors, even if it's, you know, ones that we probably won't make anyways. Yeah, it's still kind of fun to think about, but I don't know. I would get used to this Kings team as it is for the most part, at least for now. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. But um, do you have anything else to add? No, I, I'm anxiously awaiting to see what happens in Philadelphia. Yeah, and then I mean, by the time we talk next time, the three-game road or the six-game road trip will be over. Let's see if John's right with this four and two. They can win these next three. Did I really say four I, and two? Dude, I think you said four and two. Because I was like three. I felt like I was being like optimistic three and three. And you just like went above and beyond. You're like four and two. Like, they're beating the Bucks tonight. I'm like, all right. And you're like, they're going to establish. Like, I mean, I, I trusted you. So I got a little hurt when they lost you, to the Bucks. You should have stopped doing that a long time ago. <laughs> but... I don't know, man. I'm gonna have to run back the tape. We'll, we'll have to run it back. On. I think I, I I remember I said three and three. I remember, and I well, I think you won up me. I think you said four and two. Yeah. Wow. Well, as it stands now in the chronicles of history, I said four and two. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna delete the other podcast. <laughs> so, oh, I don't know what happened to it. <laughs> oh, it's gone. How? <laughs> oh, that, I guess I'm right. There's no evidence against it except the files <laughs> on my computer. But those got deleted too. I did, <laughs> my, my laptop fell off the roof of my house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, tough back to back starting tonight. And then their easiest game on Friday against the Pistons. I mean, not only is it a back to back, it's a three games and 
or yeah, three games in four nights, which isn't easy. The, you know, Kings went one and two last time that happened, but they also won that first game. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And we'll check in, I guess, probably next Tuesday, next Wednesday after the Kings play on Monday because they have a Monday game. So, um, John, anything to wrap it up with? Um, no, uh, we'll see what happens. It, the, like you said, the road trip will be over. Well, I guess we'll be talking to them even after they play Charlotte back. Yeah. Home. On Monday. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk to you after the road trip in Charlotte. Hopefully Kings. Watch what'll happen. The Kings will lose these next three. Be a bunch <laughs> of juicy stuff to talk about. And then they'll just kick ass at home. And I know, like, right? Ah, what is there to talk about now? Yeah, exactly. Screwing up our job. But <laughs> all right. Well, that's it. You know, I want to thank you all, as always, for tuning in. And until next time, have a good one.